Hi and good morning, everyone. On yet another edition of the Fontenelle Leadership Series, uh, in keeping with our promise to keep it exciting, we today have Alok, who's a seasoned entrepreneur now. I think 15 years is uh, pretty, pretty long in India's startup ecosystem. We can pretty much be called one of the super early starters before even it was uh, truly fashionable to running a startup in India. And it's been a very interesting journey, ups and downs, near-death experiences, and it's survived, they've thrived, and they're headed for an IPO soon. So I'm, that's that's one share I'm going to for sure invest in. But without taking a lot of time, Alok, thank you so much for doing this with us. Uh, welcome to the conversation. Thank you for having me, Ankur. It's a delight to be here. So our intent really tends to be around uh, having conversations on uh, the whole idea of building a resilient long-term business. And Exigo is like a testimony to all of that. So I could go into the details of your journey maybe, but that would uh, mean an hour is going to fall short. So maybe I'll just, you know, stick with some specific areas of your journey, which you can delve deeper into. And the first that comes to me is, you know, the choice of industry. Was that a conscious one? Because travel is not an easy business to be in. Well, I think travel is uh, and continues to be one of the most uh, interesting and eventful uh, industries from the perspective of, uh, you know, as a traveler, it's it's actually one of the things you really look forward to. It's an experiential category. It's not a category which is only about selling tickets. Some people mistake it as that. But this category is really about how do you, uh, you know, make sure you're there for the traveler right from the time they start thinking of a trip till the time they're actually in the trip uh, or after the trip if they run into some problems. Um, so I think we've tried to look at this category more holistically, at least at Ixigo. And mm -hmm. our excitement comes from the fact that travel is, you know, one of the few things in life that you actually spend on, but you get richer as a result of that. Right. So sure. and reading, reading books with reading books will probably be the other one. But um, so I think, uh, being able to create that impact in people's lives, being able to bring joy to families and uh, friends who are out there experiencing the world, I think that's uh, very fulfilling as founders in this category. And of course, uh, there is still so much to improve in this category, which is what keeps us here, despite having been there for so long. And, and this uh, constant evolution, uh, you know, which we'll talk about later today, but there's so much right. going on uh, out there, especially in India. Uh, there is still so much to be done for the traveler. Awesome. That's very interesting. So, you know, uh, 15 years is a long journey. Uh, did it at some point get tiring? And how do you recharge? How do you keep the energies? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, when founders start out, they uh, they think in their head, this is going to be a 5 to 10 year long journey, right? Um, and you start, start that journey with some assumption that there is an end game, right? And you're kind of running towards that end game. But over time, you know, at least for us, what we've realized is that, you know, while you're in the journey and while you're experiencing the things happening in the journey is the most exciting part. You know, it's not the start or the end uh, that you're always thinking about, but it's also the constant uh, challenges that you face where you learn things by doing them. Uh, sometimes you fall flat and, and you learn to pick yourself up again. I think those are key learnings, not just for startup life, but for life in general, sure. which we're very fortunate, which we're very fortunate to have had. And and you reach a point where you ask yourself, you know, would you be doing anything different the next day, right? And mm -hmm. or would you be excited to go back to doing what you were doing yesterday, you know, and and do it even better? And I think for us, the answer has always been, uh, you know, the same that we are enjoying what we are doing. Uh, the customers that we are serving. Uh, you know, love us enough to keep coming back and help us grow. And, you know, there's no point kind of putting an end game or end line to this because I, I think till the time companies believe, uh, you know, they have their potential is more than what their resources are, right? You keep working like a startup, right? And working like a startup is is always exciting. And, you know, for us, it, that hasn't changed over the last 15 years. But that's what I was wondering. Isn't it also a bit uh, tiring with all that uh, intensity slash, what do you call it, passion and everything? I mean, you can maintain a certain velocity for some time, but you can't do this for that long. That's what I was wondering. How do you either recharge or have you chosen a slightly more conscious pace to, you know, smell the roses, as you put it? Yeah, I think, look, uh, uh, there, there have been phases in the journey where, uh, you know, the intensity has been... Uh, more or less 
there has been more competitive intensity at certain points there have been uh there have been uh, uh, situations where we obviously had near that experiences or ran out of money uh and and in those moments of truth right uh, if the conscious decision as a team not just founders but the entire team is to continue soldiering on right uh, it makes the company so much resilient that you believe that that's what you are cut out for right beyond a certain point and in exigo's hmm. case right uh, we were in a very competitive industry we were not the most funded player uh, we were not the largest player on any metric for 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 many years right uh, but we were the player that were able to evolve fastest to change right hmm. and i think going back to the darwinian view of the world right the species that survive and succeed are the ones that can change fast enough right and i think look at our journey we started as a meta search we were searching tickets at one place and allowing you to find where they are we were not selling anything to you uh on the train side we started as a utility app so we were just giving train information pnr status running status all of that uh none of that made money right but people loved it right like people yeah. love to uh find an app that actually thought of all the problems the all the small tiny problems that every train traveler in the country was facing suddenly got solved in this app and we started seeing massive growth coming in right and on the flight side we realized beyond a certain scale that we got to be full stack so we kind of went and became an ota in the last 3 uh, years we evolved into an ota from a meta um and i think it's this phases of evolution like we started web first there was no mobile today you know like most of our traffic and bookings come from our apps right um and and, and i think the ability to kind of constantly evolve and adapt to the market without running out of cash and without running out of steam more importantly you might run out to add that you we did run out of cash three or four times yeah, but we yeah. didn't run out of steam hmm. um i i think that came through what you said smelling the roses or smelling the flowers along the way in the journey enjoying those those moments and taking them in your stride rather than kind of just hanging up the boots and hmm. uh, giving up at those points i think that's what that's what has brought us here very interesting so you know uh, there's so many in the rearview mirror now right lots of attempts have been made in this space they came they disrupted the space maybe uh, increased the competitive intensity and then they disappeared so is it your uh, resilience that you would credit for having survived all those uh, assaults or whatever you call them on the market that people are getting aggressive with their funding with their discounting and travel is not a space where you have a lot of uh, loyalty as such people travel relatively infrequently and then they uh, don't necessarily have a strong top of the mind recall but you seem to be able to build that uh, loyalty where people will stay with you for their multiple travel needs and some out of content play as well so what would you credit yeah, as yeah so i think i i think uh, you know you got to choose your battles right as a startup you got to choose your battles because uh, some people are in the battle for growth right and growth at all costs hmm. um and not caring about the bottom line and throwing everything they have at the problem to get market share um uh, and we have seen uh, anecdotally right that these companies tend to get into a self destructive cycle right uh, there are certain there are certain uh, there are certain cons of chasing growth at all cost and those cons can be detrimental in the longer term right cons mm. like are you focusing enough on culture right are you able to build the right uh, you know financial discipline are you able to have enough uh, checks and balances in place that you're not doing things that you're not supposed to right and i think in our case you know we've taken conscious calls many a times even when we had the capital that we do not want to be in that rat race where we are chasing growth at all costs right hmm. and it's a, it's a conscious decision for every company um and it it sometimes is a very difficult decision because you have your competitors chasing growth they're taking market yeah. share away they're throwing money at customers but then you realize that are they solving the problems and pain areas of the customers as deeply hmm. as you are hmm. right and so long as you believe that you can do that better than them it doesn't matter how much money they throw at customers right you just have to be there for the customers with a long term commitment and that long term commitment means at times doing things which are right for the customer and may seem uh, not so intuitive for you as a founder and i'll tell you last to last year when covid happened 
a uh, lot of airlines uh, had not given refunds on time right hmm. and customers uh, obviously customers were expecting their refunds they were actually yeah. in a double whammy situation right because hmm. they didn't have money some of them lost jobs uh, or they, they had salary cuts and some ota or some airline sitting on x amount of money and we took a very conscious call and refunded a lot of customers proactively before we got the money back from hmm. the airlines right it was not a good call for our bottom line or, or balance right. sheet right uh, but we took that call knowing in full faith that if you treat a customer right during a crisis i don't think he or she is ever going to forget that right and the first thing they'll do when things are better is probably come back to you over anybody mm. else right mm. um and i think we've made several such things along the journey where we said look this is the right thing to do it may not be the best thing to do uh from a pnl standpoint but it's the right thing to do for the customer right and wow. as long as you're building your company that way we have seen that the uh you know the longer term people do value it uh, people do come back to it because uh you know your competitors customer is only one bad experience away from coming to you yeah that's that's how i put it so you basically just play it out stick around stay long enough value i mean deliver a great experience and people will falter people will make mistakes and that bad, that mistake is your opportunity in some sense while of course uh, i'm pretty interested about these choices you made across multiple steps where you said you've chosen the good things over the necessarily financially right things and and is this something that is now a part of the dna of the company somewhere because is it your own decision does it happen at multiple levels because i'm sure these things percolate at multiple levels right yeah so i think uh, culture is something that subconsciously you know me and rajneesh as founders have focused a lot on since our early days um, we never had posters hanging in our walls saying these are our cultural values and attributes in hmm. fact the first time we wrote this down is 3 years ago and we retrospectively said okay what have we been doing you know like if we ask a random xgem you know to define our culture what are the words they would use uh so we did those thought experiments we also spoke to people and then we and then we wrote down you know there were a few cultural values which we came across right uh mm. and, and at the top there was empathy right uh it's something yeah. that we'd always been testing a lot uh, during interview process on because we believe fundamentally if you want to build the best customer experience if you want to build a good team culture you need empathy uh and uh we were talking about empathy back when it was not sexy to talk about it covid made it even yeah, <laughs> even more right. more attractive to talk about it but i think we've been talking about this since 2008 so in 2008 we ran out of money we had a term sheet from a leading investor that uh, collapsed just before the lehman crisis and we were left in the lurch where we could either let everybody go or everybody would have to take a deep salary cut and and i remember one of our junior engineers uh, in this small town hall we did with 25 people he stood up and said we can all work without salary for a year what's the big deal right and that sort of started this whole discussion in the room that allowed us to create a plan that would help us survive with everybody mm. taking like a 50 60% pay cut and and you know in moments like those you realize that it's that empathy that those people felt for each other and for the company mm. Hmm. right uh, which really helped it survive because if everybody was to their own i'm sure they were all bright people this guy was from iit he could have found a job elsewhere uh, but i think building that empathy for the team for the customer and our customers you know i'll give you a few examples of empathy there as well like there many a times where as a team we have come together uh, and done the right thing like in covid the number of calls that we were getting for reschedules and cancellation and information shot through the roof like we were getting 8 to 10x of the customer reach outs compared to normal times during the peak nobody can hire that many customer support people in the short term right our entire team was doing customer support all 100 and uh, x people that we were like i think 150 people we were all doing customer support for almost uh, 8 to 10 days right because we were like yeah. we we should not have anybody feel that they couldn't talk to us right mm. whether it was through email through chat through calls you know we we all were there and uh, there was this particular weekend i recall where um, our refund account on the pg because normally you collect more cash than you refund right but during covid the opposite happened you were refunding 10x as much cash as you were collecting in fact you were collecting sure. zero because yeah booking, because booking. 
so so our pg ran into a negative balance which had to be resolved and our current account did not have enough money we had to break some investments but breaking investments takes one t plus one right you don't yeah, get the money yeah, instant yeah. so all exigems came together pooled in our own money into an account and refunded customers that day wow right like and you know these stories become like these stories become stories you tell new exchange yeah exactly these are stories you tell right like folklore it's a, it's a folklore right now yeah uh, yep. but we've been we've been through these things that shaped culture right so the culture has been built by decisions we took by uh, you know not not just saying things but actually saying okay empathy means you put the customer first you put your teammate first you know it's not about you and 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 you live it through your decisions and uh, and i think one more i would want to talk about is that when when covid struck and uh, the lockdown was announced nobody knew how long this thing will last right and zero revenue scenarios nobody models so as yeah. founders we lost a lot of sleep that particular week oh. like i think uh, for four days rajnish and i would have slept not more than four hours each day um and we were like you know what will we do if this lasts for like 6 months 8 months because we didn't have the ca- cash to survive more than that if there was zero revenue right yeah. um but we went back to our team and and we and the team was like you know why don't we think about all the other ways we can you know monetize our user base and and do this and that and and we were like look we are depressed and not getting sleep here and these guys they're all saying oh there are ways to salvage this situation and then you realize that this this organizational resilience has gotten built because they've seen a few crises before they've seen yeah. that nothing nothing lasts forever um and, and people are always looking now to how do we capitalize this when the times are better and through the team's uh, efforts you know, we came up with this product called exigo assured which now gives you a full refund if you cancel for whatever reason because hmm. that was the biggest problem we found out during that time yeah. so we used the downtime the two months when there was no business to actually build a new product <laughs> right and the wow. idea for that the inspiration for that came from our own teammates hmm. and what we strongly felt for saying we need to build something in this downtime we can't just be sitting here twiddling our thumbs yeah and and, and i think these become then stories to tell for generations uh, if you are building yeah, a generation even in the dna that much more and i was actually going yeah. to wonder yeah, this whole uh, retaining this culture would have meant some hard calls also at some point potentially saying no to an investor potentially letting go of some critical employees what was those side like yeah so i actually the hard call in this lockdown situation was not letting go of the employees letting go right. of the employees was the obvious thing to do yeah, the which most most companies out there were doing it i think we had a hard time convincing ourselves that it's the wrong thing to do in this situation because ultimately it was a humanitarian crisis right yeah, it was yeah, not just yeah. it was not just a financial crisis so we took this decision that look there are two scenarios scenario 1 we do not survive after 6 months or 8 months right if the lockdown continues in that scenario why would you let anybody go <laughs> scenario 2 <laughs> things 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 come back after 3 months four months and you know hopefully travel bounces back in a way that has we never seen before right because hmm. people would be fed up of staying at home obviously we didn't know it would last for two years but uh, but then you know we were like in both scenarios why would you let people go how does it matter right? it doesn't because change it doesn't matter right and you needed more people because customer support uh, you know had yeah. reached epic proportions right so we were like look at this time we need people we actually hired so just to share i don't think we've shared this with most people but we we hired a few people during covid uh, on our wow. customer support team not that the team did not sacrifice the entire team took a very deep pay cut uh, right. and most of mostly voluntary the leadership team take took like 60 70% pay cut most of our other folks took like a 40% pay cut and it lasted for a good 4 to 5 months right hmm. uh, but uh, but i think you know the the big thing for us really is that sometimes you have to do things which are not the most obvious thing to do in these situations yeah yeah so uh, did you have to let go of somebody who turned out to be not so empathetic in the cultural fit i mean how do you assess yes, somebody for these things in your interview process it can only go so far so that's the another hard part of these kind of culture maintaining this kind of culture right yeah so, so i think watch to maintain that I, it doesn't get diluted Yes, so I think uh, if you break down empathy right uh, into a few more attributes, it boils down to things like 
some level of humility uh, mm-hmm. you know ability to listen to others ability to understand the problems that others are facing right and the will to go the extra mile to help others out right mm-hmm. now these the moment you break it down into these four things you can come up with interview questions that can test these right because listening skills you know you can talk about things and then ask back you know what the candidate actually heard uh, you can ask for situations where they've gone out of their way to help someone in their team right mm. uh, if it's a customer support person you can ask them I, i actually my favorite question to a customer support rep is when was the last time you did not follow the process but you helped the customer beyond what the mm. process told you to right mm. and have you ever done that because you know mm. many a times the process will not tell you the best thing to do the, for the customer right it will just tell you to read a boring script but yeah. there are situations where uh, you have to create exceptions right and i ask people have you ever created exceptions mm. which were right for the customer right now mm. there are ways you can test these things right the moment you break mm. them down and, what and during do to your hiring funnel yeah sure please complete um you know one thing it does is that it slows down our hiring a bit because uh, till date rajneesh or me interviews in the last round for every person we hire um okay. and and uh, and and some of the things we test for is largely this cultural traits and yeah. attributes from a fitment mm. perspective um but I, i just going back you know you're right that you also need to create examples on the other side where somebody who was not being a great cultural fit what did you mm. do about that right and in the past yes we have let a couple of people go when they were not uh, living up to these values right um and i think the longer you tolerate them in the system you know the more you are creating the wrong example so i think Anything you have to take those tough calls culture. absolutely yeah. absolutely did that also uh, happen with the investors that you i mean because a lot of people expect a very uh, i don't know tactical way of doing things which is not necessarily in sync with the what you care about or what you believe in and did that mean some hard calls on that front as well at some point um i i think thankfully we've had very supportive investors uh, yeah. who have trusted our judgment right on these things um and i think over time they have seen that uh, you know our judgment has not been uh, mm. something not i mean it might seem incorrect for the short term but for the long right. term it has usually turned out right. to be the right thing to do right so i think thankfully we have not faced situations where and our investors were not in line with the decisions we were taking uh, and you know uh, and i think one thing i will say is that not everything is about bottom line but the best way to build bottom line is to focus on those things yeah exactly so you know at a personal level alok uh, do you invest any kind of effort in coaching how do you build these traits around patience for example you've had a 15 year journey that's not an easy one yeah. a lot of people would run out so in terms of your patience in terms of the resilience what was uh, you know in terms of the habits and the strengths that you have had to develop over this period what was your right. uh, model playbook framework like yeah so i think uh, you always need to have a constant uh, big hairy audacious goal that the company is chasing at all times right because mm-hmm. uh, i think the excitement for somebody who wakes up and goes to work uh, or, or logs into work these days is essentially you know what are we chasing right and having a north star metric uh that everyone has including for the entire company uh you know has been critical and as leaders communicating that and making sure everyone understands that uh and and to the extent where you're talking not just in a town hall but also one on one with certain people at a certain frequency i think it's very important to reinforce that messaging around mm. why we are building what we are building and why we believe we have a right to win right and because your it's it's like when you lead troops to a war right uh, they need to believe that they're on the right side of of that yeah. particular uh, uh, you know crisis and because otherwise they have no motivation to fight right um, and startups are no different right so the will to continue doing it despite the fact that at that time you might be a tiny company in the ecosystem and nobody knows you nobody you don't have a lot of funding and we've lived through all that in our early years bootstrap our series a round happened 5 years after we started right um, mm. and, and during that time you will have existential crisis where people will say why are we doing this right? 
and you just have to go back to that that look if we say we want to build the best customer experience in this category uh, first of all we believe that it still doesn't exist and second if we believe we can build it we have the right people the right resources and the right kind of uh, uh history to build that then let's continue doing that right let's not worry about all this noise out there because the noise you know we've seen noise has a cycle right the noise goes up noise goes down uh but if you are unwavering in your uh you know execution towards your vision uh you should just focus on that focus on the customer solve their problems deliver value uh do the right things for your team for the customer and in the long term you know uh, you can't go wrong with those things i mean yeah fair enough so uh you use a coach as a concept do you like the idea of having a coach because some of these things would be overwhelming yeah i like the idea of having a coach i didn't have any uh let's say uh, one particular coach but at times you know i have tapped into the uh, you know when i got stuck with something certain strategic decision or uh, a conversation with an investor etc you know like i would uh, i i had quite a few uh, mentors who i did reach mm-hmm. out to time to time along the journey and i remain thankful to them uh, i think it's very important because yeah. there, there are so many people out there who have a lot more experience and a lot more uh, i would say a, a very different perspective of looking at things like you might feel that you are in the worst situation out there but somebody else might come and tell you it's not such a bad situation they've seen worse right and yeah. and you kind of then have more optimism so i think it's important to have somebody like that to 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 speak to whether it's a full time coach or whether it is a, a set of people you can reach out to yeah fair enough so uh on the operational side of the business now you've had a fairly long journey you've seen people come in go out go aggressively would it be fair to say that uh you've had always the deepest consumer insights because what consumers truly care about and would come back for is the part that a lot of people tend to miss when they're rushing through the acquisition process or the growth process is that something that you've paid conscious attention to learning systematically as a company yeah i i think um i think getting too wedded to one idea right for a very long time uh in today's world is a far bigger risk right hmm. uh because if you believe you're on the right track and you spend years just trying to prove to yourself that you're on the right track whereas the market is moving elsewhere so i think figuring out where the puck is going to move to next as they say uh at exigo we always spend a lot of time as founders thinking about that right hmm. it's just a maybe it's just a cultural trait now but right from the beginning we were a bit ahead of times in what we were thinking and launching uh, we were the first to market with a meta search the first to market with a train app a utility app the first to market with flight fare predictions train pnr predictions many other such innovations we may not be the only ones in the market today with that but we are proud that we were the, first, the first to market one. because yeah uh, because we thought of them because of these fundamental consumer insights right yeah. or even exigo assured for that matter right so i think uh, the only way to do that and this is what i tell my pms um, and you know even business people that look we got to spend a lot more time with the customers uh, mm-hmm. you know talking to customers listening to customers i still tell all my leadership folks that every single one star review that we get on play store needs to be read by all of us yeah. right because that's where the insights are hidden hmm. um and some of the five stars as well for that matter but but you know uh some of the feedback that we get uh we as founders personally respond to them uh you know i'm still even at this scale involved sometimes in cases where the customer you know we need to go out of our way to help a customer uh, you will see me actively on twitter responding to customers even yeah, today i have seen that uh, and that has become part of the entire company's dna saying that look if we put hmm. if we tell if we tell ourselves we put customers first and we are customer obsessed you know let's let's prove it through our actions right right hmm. from the top to the bottom um and and coming back to you know what we are talking about basically uh i think how deeply you observe customers in their natural habitat as in while they are actually so i have done train journeys where i've only sat and observed uh, and i still travel by train whenever i get an opportunity to 
just to observe you know what do people want like how do they use these apps if they're using a competitor app you know why are they using it what are they using it for right if they're mm. using our app you know what are they actually clicking on because i might assume they click on this but you know they might not right so um i think that deeply observant uh, curiosity and the curiosity of knowing what you don't know that cultural trait is very important to preserve and one thing we are realizing and we've also made our mistakes in this but if you are only chasing growth and you have a lot of high intensity pressure to just chase growth uh, and be answerable to moving a certain metric it can kill some of the uh, pause you need to sit and observe things right to talk to people to actually get some of the softer insights to go out there and meet some of these customers or uh, or, or actually uh, play around with other apps right at times in your free time right so but that needs that needs some mental space and bandwidth that needs some time that needs uh, attention right it cannot be done in an environment where growth at all costs is the only thing that matters so our belief is that the moment you are uh, wandering uh, there is serendipity there are discussions which do not have an agenda you know those are moments in which innovative things come out right innovation cannot be done with a meeting request where you already have an agenda and an objective aligned in it right those are very important for incremental growth i'm not saying right. i'm against that at this scale mm. we, most of our meetings are like that but uh, i think it's important to step back and smell the roses uh, understand what the customers are doing understand what their pain areas are go and try to solve for them better than anybody else has ever thought of but that's the uh, you know little irony here right given the way the ecosystem has been for the last few years and you've seen these ups and downs and probably this is yet another phase for you but the way things are in the last few years at least the people who have recently raised meaningful amount of money uh, the culture is not something that are able to really lead really pay as much attention to perhaps maybe it's a lack of connection maybe it's a lack of bandwidth but that's where i'm uh, tend to get concerned that these are things which take their own sweet time to nurture and build and nobody has the time so how do you address this in a scenario a founder who's probably got a million bunch of dollars in his bank he wants to go aggressively because in 18 months he has to get to a certain level and he has a certain deliverables to meet how do you navigate this scenario uh, with the kind of philosophy you're talking about look don't get me wrong i think growth is important growth uh, growth motivates no, the entire team not, right? i'm sure uh, it figures growth yeah, so i'm just saying well. yes so i mean we, we have been growing despite covid right and and i think sure. um it it's important that people understand what is driving that growth it's it's look it's very easy to spend a lot of money on marketing and deliver growth and be happy about it um hmm. whereas it's it's very hard to actually get real growth coming due to some fundamental product innovation or uh, you know app search optimization search engine optimization things that take time uh and and, and you know a lot of effort uh, which fructifies over months or years uh, or even content marketing innovation like we spend a lot of time just making yep. random videos no agenda we have these brainstorms with ashish chopra who heads that team i mean we He's we come up with random stuff now <laughs> yeah so we come up with really random stuff right um, and, and and at times you know that just works right so that's how i put it that it's not like it's not like every video is a viral on the day we we think about it but uh you know some of that comes from these serendipitous discussions i was talking about like you know it's just talking about some random trend out there and you're like you know why can't we build a video around this right and you start just working on that uh it's not slotted into the calendar It, there is no deadline for it right but but it still happens and it's Lovely. amazing right so so um so i think uh, i i think what's important is to have a maybe like a 80 20 window right so you know growth startup 80% of your time should still be devoted to that iterative stuff and growth stuff and you know like constantly chasing that metric that needs to keep moving up and uh deadlines and timelines and releases and all of that uh which which is important it's the stuff that keeps the uh, bread and butter coming in right like basically puts the money on the table uh hmm. but you need to carve out that 20% time uh that needs to be uh 
you know whether it is no meeting some some companies are saying no meetings during this time right uh, hmm. uh, and they will block the calendars of all the creators uh, in the company you know uh, whether it's developers or designers that nobody can meet you in during that time i think it's a good yeah. idea we we've, hmm. we've just started doing this as well uh, so three days a week uh, three hours a day no meetings right for uh, people who are creators essentially um and because you can't you can't come up with new stuff in in a deadline mm-hmm. environment i can't put a gun to your i can't put a gun to your head and say come up with a new feature in an hour right that doesn't happen um mm. and i think uh, the other part of it is serendipitous brainstorms where the objective is just to just to brainstorm about something right like it, there's no agenda you just you're just noting down things people are saying and trying to put it all together and and then figure out if this works and then you can do your user testing and persona testing and all that later but there is, there are no ground rules for that discussion there is no right or wrong answer to anything asked in that discussion uh you can say whatever you want be- without feeling judged about it right hmm. it's very important to set those ground rules yeah that's how innovation happens right you also did mention this whole part uh, i think before we started this uh, online was around the constraints applying uh, to innovate better right i mean the more constraints you operate under the more necessary it becomes for you to innovate and perhaps that also helps matters right it breeds innovation yeah i think uh, uh, it's a bit like fishes right fishes don't die if they starve but they die very quickly if uh, you overfeed them right yeah. uh, because uh, you know that's that's happened to a lot of companies as well and we figured out that the one of the reasons why we've been managing to survive uh, despite all these crises is that every time you are in crisis you know it's it's uh, the onus is to uh, fight to survive uh, find a uh, find that light at the end of the tunnel and and just run towards it right um, and therefore the urgency to come up with ideas that nobody else has obviously goes up a lot um, and you're willing to take bigger risks right because the downside yeah. is already visible so you're sure. like you know how does it matter <laughs> so 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 i think that's what leads to uh, uh, you know when you're pushed against the wall that's what leads you to innovate i mean if all this entire content marketing that we do started with the idea that look we don't have money to buy slots on tv we don't have money to get yeah. hollywood celebrities and cricketers and what not uh, how are we going to create our brand and we said look the cheapest way to do that uh, is to actually create content that goes viral on social media platforms right and we and i'm talking 2014 2015 year when we started uh, ashish joined us in 2015 i think and and those days nobody was talking about video marketing right but we actually started doing that and and it just took off so well um, uh, but it was a bet we had to take because there was no other way to yeah, to build sure. our brand back then um uh, and even when we do have the capital now to do all those things we are realizing look if it works why not continue doing this right? why use capital for something you can do without capital so that's kind of uh, what i would like to zoom into a little bit you mentioned this indigestion thing which has become quite a common quote lately that more more companies die of indigestion than they die of starvation because somewhere uh, they the cultural implications of going too fast without investing in this dna of innovation or frugality ends up coming back to bite at some point you know and there are funding winters that are bound to come these are cycles so if your company as a system is not prepared to kind of thrive in that time you will end up having a hard uh, journey then so instead of having a knee jerk reaction to downsides and all of that uh, aren't founders better off being more cognizant that this is a natural cycle so i might as well be more mindful of my culture now than growth at all costs and then eventually suffer a year later because 80% startups are still going to die anyway that's the reality of it so and and, and there is if there is a playbook to kind of apply to say that i will survive no matter what then probably that playbook is what you guys are talking about yeah i think look the the jury is out still on uh, at least from from what we see out there right uh, there are a lot of companies in environments where all their competitors are raising big rounds every 6 months right and it's But sort of becoming eventually go on to self destruct yeah I, absolutely so i think i'm just saying that we've seen this happen in the past long time ago in travel then in e-commerce then in many other categories where uh you know after uh after seeing this happen at least three times in my career i think we are going through this 
fourth cycle right now right um, and we might be now at the uh, self actualization phase finally of that cycle after going through the trough of disillusionment in the last few months mm. uh, you know after the public markets have sort of cooled off and and certain yeah. um, certain companies you know we are seeing that uh, you know they are they are below their last private raise as well uh, after going public and i think uh, i think some of that has to do with you know what expectations were you building in for yourself for your mm. investors right uh, because as long as you know you are able to build the right expectations you can still deliver on those right uh but if you have if you are building hyperinflated expectations on your own performance you're putting a lot of undue pressure on yourself to mm. grow at a certain velocity uh both in terms of valuation and revenue and and in right. some cases maybe even there's a profit target but uh but i'm just saying that that if it leads to destruction of culture destruction of your value system um you know if it leads to not thinking about the right things for customers but just throwing money at them uh then you're not building the right behavior right both as investors and founders i think we have the onus on ourselves to figure out what behavior we want to encourage in the ecosystem right and and i think the actions of not just entrepreneurs but also investors play a part part in that because you know if there are enough investors out there throwing money only at companies which are willing to grow at all costs it will obviously encourage the behavior where uh, you may not uh, care so much about longer term stuff because the whole objective is aligned around how do i get to my next round within the next 12 months right uh, so i think i think somewhere i'm already seeing signs of maturity coming in at least for companies mm-hmm. at scale uh, you know companies which are already either listed or close to being listed you know are obviously behaving in a saner uh manner and senior environment at this point i'm glad um, you use that word sanity <laughs> right uh, and and i do believe that it's a cycle like uh, all other industry or verticals where we are still at the uh, euphoria phase where you know there are three or four potential winners and all the winners are raising more and more rounds every year um i think at some point you know it reaches a point where you figure out that okay there are two kinds of players here one that will survive even after 10 years even if there's a nuclear holocaust uh and then there are players who as long as there is capital will continue outpacing everybody else on growth and as an investor as a as a potential employee you got a bet on where you know what what kind of company do you want to be part of which is exactly what's the fun fact of today because you look at uh, these patterns and you're talking about hyper growth as uh, as, as a mechanism but it usually ends only one way and and that's the reality of it right because if you've not invested in the right dna culture all these elements that make you resilient to a funding winter when the winter comes you will not have uh, the ant and the grasshopper is that story right when you're not preparing for the winter then you will have a hard time in the winter so i'm just confused that when you look at the investors and entrepreneurs who are probably being euphoric about it how does they reconcile with the eventual reality like either you have a goal that i'm going to exit in a certain time frame because ultimately public markets are going to reward good behavior which is more resilient in nature public markets will not reward behavior which is you know short term hyper growth and then falling apart so how does that yeah, reconcile think, look, what, what are the goals being chased i think the public market has already spoken very clearly uh, the public market wants to see uh, companies which are either already making money or have a clear path to making money yeah right the public market does not uh you know does not believe in stories where uh you know there is a potential path of making money x years down the line right uh, unless there is a clear line of sight on that uh, and that has happened in the us we've seen the huge tech correction there we've seen this in india uh and and i think the message is loud and clear right that you got to no matter how much scale you have no matter how big mm-hmm. you are in terms of scale right uh people are going to look at the fundamentals of valuation which are how will you generate future free cash flow cash flow right uh, and and i think the sooner as a founder you start focusing on that there is a there is yeah. a right time to do that i mean i'm not sure. saying you need to do that from day one because there are innovations like i told you when we launched our train app we didn't know how to make money off it right for sure. the longest of time um and that's what happens in most fundamental startup innovations right like it's very hard yeah. to monetize for many years 
as long as you're supporting that phase with capital it's great um i think uh, uh, what people want is companies that can build uh, enough organic uh, traction right and to 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 not have to just continue throwing money for growth right uh, beyond a certain point and i think that's the that's the harder problem to solve you know that problem mm. cannot be solved overnight it takes yeah. years it takes years to get the product right it takes years to get the customer acquisition machinery well oiled to to get a lot of organic growth going in whether it's seo aso all these problems take years to solve right but you yeah, have to yeah. be able to budget that time and give it that much time you want to smell the roses you have to plant the sapling and wait wait for whatever time it takes for the roses to emerge right so yeah. i think um i i think the learning really is that look uh, you, you have to be able to get to that point where uh you know people can see that you are able to either generate cash flows uh or you know you can do that within the next two or three years uh, unless you reach that point you know i think for companies to think of going public in this environment may not be a great idea yeah clearly so that's where uh, you know we talk about the whole subject of retention pretty often that if you don't have your eyes on repeats then it gets very closely linked to the idea of product market fit and in your case i assume that you have a you know systematic way of looking at what's working and what's not working in terms of driving repeats and i'm i'm guessing some of these innovations would have also gotten canned because it weren't really getting the right traction so to speak so how do you define yeah. traction how do you decide pmf how do you decide what to scale what to withdraw from yeah so uh, my co-founder rajneesh puts it this way that innovation is about solving low roi problems right uh, because from the outset when you solve something fundamentally innovative usually there's like 99% of the time there's no money to be made in it from day one if there was the incumbents would be doing it already right if it was so obvious um, why is nobody else doing it because people don't find it attractive enough to solve that problem however if it is a large enough problem to solve affects enough number of customers there will be an ability to monetize it if you actually solve it right and okay. uh, time and again time and again innovative companies you know that's how they get created they solve a problem that people actually desired but they never told anybody explicitly hmm. uh, and then they figure out a way to monetize that like day one it's not obvious but you hmm. figure out a way eventually how to monetize it once you have enough customers right so um, so i think we encourage people to solve those customer centric problems without worrying about monetization on day one hmm. right hmm. um however as we scale we start thinking okay uh, what are the various ways now we can you know build monetization around this and don't do it in a way that sort of kills the golden goose before it lays the eggs right uh, yeah. but continue to deliver customer value ahead of trying to monetize right and and the monetization should feel very natural right uh, the customer mm. shouldn't mind paying for that like today in our if you buy a ticket through exigo you know uh, we charge a agent service charge for every train ticket booked through us right uh, it's, it's actually uh, in most cases right a little more than what you would pay on ircdc right hmm. but people don't mind paying that as long as the customer experience that we've built yeah. right yeah. Uh, uh, makes them feel that they want to continue using our app right so i think a testament to the whole idea that customers are prepared to pay a little extra for great ux which is interesting because most people seem to be still using discounts as a great weapon to lure customers in yeah I, and it's a it's a tough choice uh, because you will have team members come to you saying uh, you know uh, so and so is running so and so offer you know what should we do are we going to match that are we going to counter that and and i'm like no we go back and build better customer experience and find ways that people can pay us even more right uh, so on on flights what is exigo assured you end up paying more to protect a full refund free cancellation yeah. right and yeah. significant percentage of our customers actually end up paying that right so so, so we are this, trying by the way uh, an insurance yeah. kind of model which you run underwriting or how is it structured i mean airlines don't change their policies so is it at your level yeah, so, entirely so exigo assured is our own data science and ai led uh, you know a fair type that we sell which is a fully refundable fair type mm -hmm. 
uh, whether the airline gives you a refundable pay, fair type or not, we, we will give you a Exigo Assured fair type where you can get a full refund almost instantly. Uh, hmm. And the beauty of it is that for 90% of our users, you get the refund back within minutes, right? Uh, so so the, the fact of the matter there is that uh, you don't have to wait for the average wait time is like Sure. At least seven, eight days, even for a even for a regular refund, but in some cases, you know, up to a month uh, before you get back your refund in full. Uh, during COVID times, it was even a few months, right? Uh, so, so I think we've seen we've seen that uh, uh, if you build something that customers fundamentally value, you don't need to discount. You you can actually charge more. Which is what is ironic. The 10-minute grocery folks on my phone, while they're very useful, they still end up using a lot of discounts. And like you're offering convenience, so I'm happy to pay a little extra for it. But if you're gonna give me discounts, I won't say no. I think they can sell with these. Yeah, I think there's a phase, right? So these companies are in the habit building phase. Uh travel has been through this phase in the early years, right? Where, okay. where it was all about discounts. Everyone was only talking about discounts. And I think uh travel has reached this uh uh slope of enlightenment of sorts where we are saying look and i think food delivery is getting there as well right yeah, like uh, the discounts have come off we've seen um but i think this this whole 10 minute delivery space is just getting started they want to create this habit they want to hmm. uh, make more and more uh, people aware about their brands so perhaps you know the strategy is really to use discounts as a lever for that but it cannot be the most sustainable lever at scale uh, that is already proven out there that's the thing, right? Because where do you draw the line and where do you stop? Because these are endless wars in some sense. And you are both very well-funded companies which are playing it out. As a consumer, I'm happy about it. But it's destructive to value because one, your teams are not getting used to any ideas of innovation apart from... Ankur, the, Ankur, the line gets drawn when the taps run dry. Exactly. That's when the and, lines I mean, get drawn. Seen these kind of things before where startups, taps ran dry and then they ended up having nowhere to go. Yes, but right now, you know, if you are the flavor of the season, the tap is going to be uh, flowing. But that's full a big for if, right? If you're a flavor of the season, I mean, you really want to leave, you know, because that's a misalignment of incentives I normally wonder about. For the investor, you're probably one of several bets that he's taking. So he actually is prepared for you to die. I mean, 70 or 80% of his bets will die. That's fine. That's, that's a risk and reward outcome. But as a founder, you only have one boat you're uh, sealing in. And if this one is jeopardized, then it's, it's your. Only uh, hope that's getting jeopardized, right? So, have you seen that kind of a disconnect in some fashion to be uh, the investor interest alignment and your interest alignment being a little mixed up? I think it's a it's a choice of the battle that you're fighting. If you're mm -hmm. fighting a battle where you believe you can uh, build something the fastest, uh, you know, at whatever cost it needs to be built at. Uh, and you are confident you will have uh, you know enough funding to support reaching a point where the unit economics become uh, you know positive or or sane. Um, you know there's no harm in doing that as long as you know. But those are two big ifs, right? And, and I That's think what I was about to ask. You know, the leader facts. And as a founder, they were yeah. So as a founder, I think it's always it's always a trade-off, right? So it's always a matter of look. If, if you have confidence and that path has let, like an 80% chance of success versus, uh, you know, you not raising any money and, and operating in a sane manner, but having much significantly, much lesser market share, but higher ability to survive. I think it boils down then to what battle are you in personally? You know, what DNA do you have? You know, is, is your company and your DNA more aligned towards one versus the other? And in our case, you know, like we, FOMO and, uh, you know, that's the word I like to use. Is that so easy to make that choice? Because I might have a DNA for this, but I'm super tempted for this. Look, I, 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 I don't think there is a right or wrong here. But the only thing I know is Sorry. that, uh, you know, you've got to be able to survive to win wars. Yeah. Right. So, War analysis so I think. So, so you know, I think it's important. No matter which path you choose, you got to figure out a way to survive. Yeah, I get that. So, I think the the whole survival mechanism might be the most interesting piece uh, from this conversation. So, you know, we have the last few minutes here, and I thought you might have some message for your 27 year old ballpark self, right? That's when you started Exigo uh, around that time. Yeah. 
So if you were yeah. to kind of think back to that day and, you know, some few things that after these 15 years of experience, you could tell that guy who is starting out, what would those be like? Wow. Um, it's going to be long. I, <laughs> That's one. This will be, this will be long. But I think, uh, I think you shouldn't be shy of thinking big, right? From, you see, we get constrained by our own mental constraints and roadblocks uh, into how big we want to think, right? I think uh, you should think big. There's no downside of thinking bigger than what you were thinking earlier, right? And and uh, having that huge vision, because even if you fail at achieving that, and let's say you end up 20, 30% smaller than whatever you were thinking, uh, you will still have built a very large company, right? So mm. I, think, uh, I think in hindsight, like I would just, uh, take bigger and bolder bets ahead of uh, time that we took them, right? Certain mm -hmm. decisions that we took along the journey, certain pivots that we made, we could have made them sooner had we taken bigger and riskier and bolder bets. Um, sure. And I think I, I think today's youth, what I'm super impressed by is the people who are starting company these days. I see that they're already thinking bigger, thinking bolder. You know, that's what the ecosystem has given us in the last 15 years, that there mm. is enough mentors out there, enough capital out there, enough role models out there for youngsters to have the confidence to think big, to think global, to think of building generational companies from day one, right? Um, hmm. That's what we need, right? Um, and I think back then, uh, you know, the the mindset that most people had was, uh, you know, that if you're doing a startup, there's a very high chance of failure. Therefore, try to do things in a manner where uh, you are not going to be uh, in a situation where you run out of cash very soon, etc. Right, and that's how mm -hmm. our DNA also got built over time because sure. there were hardly four in four investors in the country. Yeah, today, today you have an abundance of capital, but I would I would say that you need to maintain that discipline, right? Which I talked about that you no matter how much capital you have available to you, building discipline and building culture has long term rewards. Yeah. Right? Fair. In fact, uh, on that note, I was going to ask you about whole the whole Amazon uh, statement around one, it's still day one. And second, around the fact that the larger you are, the bigger the experiments have to be. But uh, on the other side, you have these new companies who have a lot of capital. So they kind of and under a certain pressure to deploy. So you have these, you know, all of these different parallel experiments and all these different darts you want to throw at the same time. And that goes back to the indigestion topic. How do you reconcile in a steady state for a new age company? Yeah, like I said, it depends on what stage of the cycle you are at, right? So sure. if you're just starting out, um, you know, you need to first get your product market fit going, right? Um, and and you can't fake it. I mean, it's easy to spend a lot of money on Google and say that you're getting a lot of customers. But um, I think you got to measure very fundamentally what your net promoter score or your customer satisfaction on existing customers looks like, what your retention is. In your very early days, if you don't fix those things, Right. Hmm. Uh, the temptation is to scale ahead of time and 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 try to just grow with very bad cohorts, um, but, that, but that's going to backbite in the future, right? Um, so I would say, fix the basics. Make sure that your customer has organic love, organic customer repeats, um, and uh, is able to sustain a certain amount of uh, engagement, right, around it. Uh, and only then, you know, it's important uh, then to put some fuel to the fire and, and hmm. kind of start putting the growth uh, levers in place and start spending money on marketing. Um, you know, because if you if you put the cart before the horse, you know, we've seen we've seen enough examples of that. Um, you know, that that that's that's the most likely scenario uh, for failure. Yep, on that note, I think the whole indigestion thing, right? PMF not done yet, but multiple city operations already launched. And that's unfortunately a common scenario we still see happening, which 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 is the indigestion story, right? You have the capital, you want to deploy it, you want to expand before you've really sorted your basics and the PMF. Awesome. Any closing remarks, Salup? We've kind of run out of time, so I could go on, but you know, it's been a very interesting and inspiring conversation at the same time. Would uh, anything you would like to close with? I think we'll just close with the same thing I said earlier, which is uh, survival leads to success. So irrespective of what path you are on, whether it's hyper growth or whether it's uh, more focus on fundamentals, you know, you, you got to know how you're going to make it on the other side. 
because the companies that make it on the other side are more likely to win oh absolutely awesome on that note thank you so much alok for having uh, come here it's really interesting and it's really inspiring we loved hearing you thank you so much thanks ankur pleasure being here bye bye bye